you would think that uh, being up here every week singing, I wouldn't be nervous. This is odd, doing this. Um, I want to welcome you all here today at Griffith First Christian Church. If this is your first time today, I want you to know that I am not the minister here, and I don't do this every week. So when everyone's like, what on earth is he talking about? It's because I didn't go to college to be a minister. I didn't go to college to talk about huge, huge things that just weigh over my head. I went to college to do Excel spreadsheets and to make numbers work. I mean, that's all I know. But today, I'm doing this sermon on worry. And Sean was actually in Gatlinburg for the past uh, two weeks to recharge his batteries, if you will. And he actually talked to the elders and asked if I could preach up here. And to my surprisement, they said yes. So I'm going to say uh, that I joked with Sean that I was going to do the fire and brimstone type sermon today, but I'm going to be honest, I I don't have it, I, I just don't have it in me to do one of those sermons. You see, I grew up knowing and truly believing that God and his, he has such an abundance of love for us that he couldn't possibly hate any of us. This molded my faith into believing in one major difference in what I believe than how others may perceive God and his feelings for us. I believe that God hates sin, hates it, abhors it, detests it, can't do anything about sin. But on the other hand, God's love for us so greatly overpowers his hatred for sin that he sent his son, Jesus, to die for us. If this were not the case, then God wouldn't have sent his son to die on the cross so we can go to heaven. But because we know that God's word is true, and that Jesus did come and die for our sins, I know that God's love for us is so huge, so awesome, that we can receive his gift of salvation, and we can go to heaven. That was basically my summary of my last sermon when I was, I don't know, 15 years old, way back when. And I did it during high school on my sermon on love. Today, we repeat a mission statement every week at GFCC to remind us all of who we are and what we are called to do here. Our mission statement is up above, and it says, The purpose of the first Christian church is to make disciples who love God, love others, and spread the gospel.
love that last line from Matthew 6, 34. And I love how the video worded it. It says, Give all of your attention to what God is doing right now, and he will take care of the rest. I'll talk more about this passage in a little bit, but right now let's talk about where we have come from. We just finished four weeks on our last sermon series called Words with Friends, where we talked about four different words that Christians sometimes use. We broke them down and talked about what they meant and how they applied to our life. We talked about grace, sacrifice, justification, and sanctification. Last week, a guest preacher and a friend of mine, Stephen Massey, who helped out with the youth group, talked about how we are called to die to Christ every day. And we are to live for him, through him, and follow him. And today I'm going to talk to you another, about another word that people use, worry. I have a question for you today. This question drives fear into some people, but drives perseverance into others. It can lead a person to destruction, but allow for growth and maturity. This question can describe who we are as a person based on how we answer it. It gets at our core being and shows us and other people how we operate it and what makes us tick. The question is, what do you worry about? Now, let's be clear here. When I say, what do you worry about? I'm not asking, what are you afraid of? That's something totally different. I'm not asking if you're afraid of spiders or mice or snakes, or germs, or black cats, or bears, or skydiving, or even peanut butter. Fun fact of the day, if you totally ignore everything else that I say today, Iraqi butterophobia is the fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. (laughs) Now, what this sermon is about is worry. What is it that you worry about? Who is it that you worry for? What do you worry about? Maybe you worry about your home, that it will get damaged or robbed or a pipe will break. That was bad. Maybe you worry about your family, whether it's your parents, kids, or significant others. Maybe you worry about getting a divorce, or you're worried about finances or debt. Maybe you're worried about your career and what the future holds for you. You worry about God's plan for your future. Or maybe you have doubts about your faith entirely. Maybe you're worried about death, or you have been hurt by a death in your family. I will say this. If you have burdens on your heart, if you need to talk and discuss your worries and fears, just go talk to Sean back there. Sean is an awesome guy and is very down-to-earth, and I know that he would love to share his faith with you. And I know that his faith changed his life. But God does tell us not to worry. If you have your handy-dandy outline, or as Sean would call it, the HDO, there are three blanks on the sheet. The third blank, make sure you write small because there's actually two parts to the third blank. But the first blank on your outline is do not worry about life. I want to read from Matthew 6, 28 through 34. It says in the NIV version, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Is life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not, more, are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers on the field grow. 
They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. In this passage, Jesus is commanding us not to worry about various things. And in doing so, he's sort of talking directly to the disciples and saying, you need to focus all of your attention on me. You cannot simply put your time and your energy into worry. In fact, worrying can lead to some pretty severe side effects. What Jesus says, can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Dr. Haddon Robinson, a preaching professor on the East Coast, said it best when he said, what worries you, masters you. What worries you, masters you. You see, because when you worry about something, it begins to grow inside of your head. You begin to think about it more and more, putting off other thoughts and processes that you normally do each and every day. Your mind and body begin to work slightly differently because you become so enveloped in this giant worry bag that's covering your face that is clouding your vision. You start to think to yourself, oh man, how am I going to pay this bill? I don't have enough money. How are we going to make ends meet? And you begin to think about it and worry about it and fester on it. And soon you begin to feel nauseous. Your heart starts pounding. You may be worrying about a sickness or a very powerful illness that you or a family member of yours has. You start to begin to think about how your future and how on earth you're going to get by. You start to become ultra-sensitive to the environment around you, even to the point of paranoia. According to the WebMD, worrying causes dizziness, fast heartbeat, fatigue, headaches, irritability, muscle pain, nausea, shortness of breath, suppressed immune systems, digestive disorder, short-term memory loss, and can lead to premature coronary artery disease and heart attack. Excessive worrying can even impede brain function and nerve impulses, which can lead to depression if left untreated. Worrying causes serious physical harm to your body. Not only will worrying add a single hour to your life, it will in fact shorten your life. Your body is not physiologically capable of handling prolonged stress and worry. And here we have Jesus some 2,000 odd years ago saying, do not worry. God will provide. God will take care of you. God will help you through life and you will be okay. Now, God does not say, do not worry. I will provide for you with lavish gifts and a big house to live in and tons of money to swim around in. God just says, do not worry about the basics, that God will provide for your food and your clothing. But think of it this way. God has created the entire universe. He has created giant mountains and vast oceans. He has created all the stars in the sky, and yet he still cares about making sure that the wren or the robin that you see outside has food to eat and trees to rest in. Does God not feel that you are so much more valuable than that wren or that robin. I have fish at home. I actually have fancy-tailed guppies. Another fun fact of the day for you, 
These freshwater guppies have a stomach size of about one large flake of food. Just one flake. That's it. Feed too much, they just don't eat it, they don't care. And that's all they can eat. And yet here they are, swimming around in my 55-gallon tank with all their buddies, just enjoying life. They, like the birds, don't plant their food. They don't grow it. They don't even store it away. I put flakes in there. They gobble it up. End of story. And then it's back to swimming around in the tank. I have ultimate power over these guppies. When it's nighttime, I make it nighttime by turning out the light. When it's morning, I make it morning by turning on the light. When I clean out the tank, I take plants and homes and stuff out. I may or may not put in the same plants and homes and stuff back in. I can go for a week vacation and never feed them. But do you think Bob and Tony and Mr. Sean, my three favorite guppies, do you think that they worry about life? Do you think that they worry about not getting fed? No. They're enjoying life inside of the tank. They're not having a worry in the world. And yet, in the wild, God feeds all of these little guppies, and then these little guppies all feed larger fish. <laughs> but does he not care so much more for you than my three fancy tail guppies? The second blank on your outline is do not worry about stuff. We Americans love stuff. We love our stuff so much that we make up stuff to worry about more stuff. Now, I'm talking about material things. Possessions, doodads, gizmos and gadgets, toys. I was listening to a comedian on the way to work this week, and I heard him talk about America. It's funny because this guy was Britain, and he said that he couldn't wrap his head around how much stuff us Americans need. He was always saying that Americans, they invent all of these new things all the time. But it's not to create knowledge. It's not to improve life or prosper other people. No, 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 no. We make crazy random stuff that is so bizarre just for other people to buy them and say that they have more stuff. This comedian walked into the Mall of America and he said, I was so surprised to see that in the Mall of America, there were four Radio Shacks. Four. As if you were so lazy that you couldn't walk to the one Radio Shack that, that put them in all four corners so you wouldn't have to walk as far. And as he was walking, and as he was looking around at all the different stuff, he saw something that was being sold that stopped him dead in his tracks. Now, I'm not making the stuff up, but get this. A store was selling a blow-up inflatable barbecue grill. <laughs> How that can even work, I don't know. Because you have to put fire on this grill that's sitting in your pool. So, you know, you can just be swimming around, surface out of the water, flip a few burgers on this plastic grill. I... I don't know how it worked, but apparently it was selling like crazy. And it's true. Us Americans, we love our stuff. We love our gizmos and gadgets. We love our new phones. We love our new cars. I love my new Toyota Camry. It is awesome. But that's not what Jesus is calling us to think about. We are called to be putting a priority on Jesus. 
and his ministry as number one. When we begin to lose sight of that and put stuff first and worrying about getting all the latest gizmos and gadgets, we lose sight of God's plan. We lose sight of what's really important to God. Our mission statement is to make disciples who love God first and foremost. I lost my spot. Second is that we have to love others, both believers and non-believers. And third, we spread the gospel to those who have not yet accepted Christ. We are not here to make disciples who want the next iPhone 17. We are not here to make disciples who love high-speed internet. We are not here to make disciples who obsessively check Facebook every day of their lives. We are here to spread the good word so that at least one more can be saved and go to heaven and not have to spend eternity separated from God in hell. There's my fire and brimstone plug. If you don't believe in God and you don't accept him as your Lord and Savior, I'm sorry to tell you, you are not going to heaven. It is black and white. But here is something that you can think about. Instead of worrying about the issues going on in your life, just pray to God. Like Jesus was saying, doesn't God care so much for you than the birds of the air or the flowers in the field? He cares for you. He sees what you're going through. He sees what your family member or friend is going through. He will never ignore you. He will never put you off. He will never forget you. I want to read from Proverbs 19:21. It says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, we get caught up in trying to figure out what our purpose is. We keep trying to quantify and qualify who we are and what we're supposed to be doing. But get this, God already has a plan for you. God already has an entire agenda and path laid out for you since before you were born to the end of time. In every step you take, God has already placed the ground beneath your feet. In every meal that you eat, God has already grown the animals and plants for your consumption or just the plants for you vegetarians and vegans that are listening to this sermon. But this Bible verse means so much more than just an itinerary. This answers the question in the beginning of the sermon of why do we worry? Honestly, why do we worry? We worry because we do not have a full grasp of God's plan for us. God has placed us in this very room at this very time to hear this very message, believe it or not. God has a plan for you. Some of us are already well underway with the plan that God has given us. Some of us just got the blueprints not too long ago. And some of us don't even know where everybody else picked up these blueprints that everybody keeps talking about that they're following. If only we had a manual for life. But we do. Right here in the Bible that I have right here. I was supposed to bring one up. So this is my Bible. So right here in the Bible, this is our manual. It tells us how to live. It tells us how to behave and not lie or steal or murder. It tells us how to pray. It tells us how to persevere through trials and struggles. 
It tells us how to manage our finances and give back to God and to those in need. It tells us how we should be a loving people that do not judge each other. It tells us that we should not worry because God is in control. It tells us how to get to heaven by believing in God and his word, repenting of our sins, and confessing that God is truly our Lord and Savior, and by being baptized for the forgiveness of our sins so we can be in heaven forever and ever and ever. The Bible tells us all of these things. It tells us that we should trust in God and not worry, for God will provide for us. Did Noah worry when the floods came? Did he worry that God would abandon him and leave his family and himself to drown? No. He trusted in God. Did Samson worry when he was fighting off the Philistines, when he was doing the will of God? No. He trusted in God. Did Rahab the prostitute worry when she would be, that she would be caught and killed if the, when she hid the Israelites in Jericho before they captured the city? No. She trusted in God. Did Ananias worry when he received word from God to visit Saul, a well-known persecutor and killer of Christians around the world, to restore his sight and share with him the Holy Spirit? Well, actually, yeah, Ananias did worry about that. And he's like, God, just help me with this. And God's like, yeah, I'll protect you. Okay, thanks, God. So then he went and he was protected because he trusted in God. You see, we can learn a great deal from all of these stories in the Bible. And that is the final blank on your outline. These stories teach us that we should not worry about God's plan for you. And I want to take this a step further and say that it also applies that you should not worry about God's plan for the church. And I really love how the video at the beginning of the sermon worded Matthew 6:34. Give all of your attention to what God is doing right now, and he will take care of the rest. God wants you to focus on him, to focus on his ways, on his plan, on his vision. There is no need to worry about anything else. God is going to take care of you. God is going to watch over you. God is going to be there for you through the highs and lows in life. Remember, God already has a plan for your entire life. He knows the number of hairs on your head, and he loves you so much that he has created a plan for you to be with him forever for eternity. Just give him your life, just give him your heart, and give him your attention, and let God take care of the rest. And I got to tell you, God is doing a lot of things here at Griffith First Christian that needs our attention. He is rising up new leaders to be tomorrow's elders, deacons, and missionaries. God has cast a vision for us to follow, which can be found in Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I want to be a Matthew 28 church. I so badly want to be a Matthew 28 church. That is what we are called to do here. That is our mission statement of GFCC. 
The purpose of the first Christian church is to make disciples who love God, love others, and spread the gospel. That is our vision. That is our plan. In fact, it actually isn't. This is God's vision. This is God's plan. And we need to do some serious steps to reach this vision. And we are in the process of doing just that. We are talking now with the vision coach on how to attain these goals. We are working on and thinking about various renovations, both to our buildings, but mostly to our hearts. We are here to change lives. We are here to make others feel less lost and more found. We are here to bring people to Christ's unrelenting and unfathomable love. We have got to reach more people. It is our duty as Christians to talk to others about Christ, but in a way that's not so fire and brimstone, but in a way that shows people's Christ's love for them through our actions. I hope that in everything that I do, people will say, man, that guy is different. That guy's weird. Why is he always so nice? Why is he always so friendly? There's something wrong with him. I, I want to be that way. I want for people to see that God has so much love for them that I just act so weird in front of them that they have to ask, look, dude, what the heck is going on? What is wrong with you? And then I can say, it's because God loves you. It's because God sent his son to die for you. And you have a plan. You have a purpose in your life. If you don't think that you have a purpose in your life, if you think that you're just walking through life without purpose, you have not seen God's plan yet. You have not seen the love of Christ's plan for you. Everyone in this building and everyone that is not here today, everyone watching the video online right now, God has a plan for you. If I fall short and mess up, I want to be held accountable. I want this church to be unified for making a difference in God's kingdom. I want us as a church body to start reprioritizing our lives. We have got to make God number one. That's what it's all about. We cannot think that we can continue to worry about little things or larger things in this life and then try to tackle them on our own. We have got to be a church family that cries out to God saying, help us. We cannot do this on our own. We've got to trust that God will provide for our needs. We've got to pay attention to God and what he's calling us to do because that is our purpose. This is the fun part about writing my own sermon and the fact that I did not let Sean read over this prior to being up on stage. Sean's making a note. Do not let Brandon do this ever again. This is where I get to be a little bit controversial. I get to be a little bit of a toe-stepper and not have too many repercussions or consequences. All that falls now on Sean. You see, Sean's got the hard part. He's hired to do this week in and week out, and I get to do this once. And if you hate my sermon, well, that's tough luck. But I want you to understand this. Those people that are outside this church right now, they are not our enemy. 
This is where I get frustrated is not the word. I think the word is passionate. Those people that are across the street playing Little League Baseball right now, instead of being here in church, I'm going to say this with conviction and with feeling because I believe it with all my heart. They are not our enemy. How can we, as a church claiming to be believers of God, complain or bicker or worry that they are over there playing baseball right now instead of being here at church? We say that they should be at church right now, but we sit here in our pews and do nothing about making that change. There are two sides of our complaining that I would like to quickly talk about. One, we do not know that they go to church somewhere else at another time, at a different location. We don't know if they go on a Sunday night or a Saturday night or a Wednesday afternoon. That would be like the Catholics at St. Mary complaining about us mowing our grass on Saturdays instead of being at Mass. We don't know where they are or what church that they attend. And it is our job to reach out to them to find out exactly what is going on. Why are we not reaching out to them? One of the things that I think that we should consider doing next year is purchasing seat cushions for all of the parents and the family members of the Little League baseball teams. We can have our logo, our website, maybe even our mission statement. And how much will it cost them to purchase one? Nothing. Zero. Zip. Zilch. I want us to quit thinking that our mission field is someplace in Africa or Haiti or Jamaica. I want us to start thinking that our mission field is 100 feet south of where I am preaching at right now. Our mission field are those people that are in those stands cheering on their little guy right now. We have got to be a church that loves other people with such a burning passion that we cannot hold it in. Another vision path of the church that we are headed in is two services coming this fall. We are already filled to capacity in the parking lot nearly every week, with some of us parking in the streets. We cannot get someone to attend this church if they cannot even park their car and walk in. I am suggesting that right out those doors, the first three or four spots right there, will be visitor-only spots right next to the front door. And if you are a current member of this church, I say this with love and compassion, that is off limits to you. Okay? Okay. We have got to make them feel loved and welcome here. We have got to make them feel so loved and share that love with each other that, so that way they can hear about God's love. Because like I said before, we can tell everyone, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you, God loves you. But if we don't show it 
through our actions, if we don't show it through our behavior, if we don't show it on a Sunday morning at the least, yet every other day of the week, it's just words to them. If we say, God loves you, but I don't want you in my parking lot on any day of the week ever, it's, what? There's this huge disconnect. If we say, God loves you and we want you to come to our church, but you better not be here on a Sunday morning, what? There's this horrible chasm right here that we have to close off. This fall, a lot of these changes are going into effect. And finally, we've got to step up to the plate. Man, all of you males that are out in the pews right now and all of you guys that are watching online, this message is for you. This church needs you as a leader. This church needs you as the support and backbone of this congregation. We had a men's Bible study that we began a little bit ago, and during the summer we will be meeting sporadically to complete a few tasks around the church that needs to be done. Replacing the boiler, landscaping outside, fixing the office bathroom. That was a plug to Joanne. But here, you have got to lead by example. Because even more so, you need to grow in your faith. I need to grow in my faith. We've got to have faith. Maybe it's because I was just raised this way and my dad has taught me so much on how to be a man. But you have got to lead by example. It's sad to hear people say, I don't have enough time for God. I don't have enough time for church. I don't have enough time to be a leader. I don't have enough money to tithe. With only the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to move from here to there, and it will move. Whatever mountain of worry or doubt that you have in your life, just have faith in God's vision for your life and the life of the church, and tell that mountain to move, and it will move. Sorry. You have to lead your family by example. I have yet to get my first paycheck from U.S. Steel. The joy of working at U.S. Steel in the management is the fact that we get paid once a month. That's tough. I'm broke. I'm waiting. Next Thursday, I will be a happy man. Unless, of course, something messed up since this will be my first paycheck, and then I'm like, well, sorry, we're going to have to pay you next month. (sighs) Hopefully, that will work. But... I want to tell you this, and I want you to hold me accountable. This next Sunday, I will be bringing a check that has 10% of my tithe. Am I worried that God will provide for me? I mean, I'm kind of spoiled right now because I still live at home, so technically the answer is no. But I will say this. In my entire life, not once has God let me down. Not once has God not been there for me. He might have not done what I wanted him to do. You know, I might have been like, God, please let me pass this test. And then God's like, please study. And then I'm like, 
please, God, help me study. And he's like, well, do it. And then I just don't. So that's my fault. But in serious things, when I pray, God, give me the strength to make it through this week. Or God, give me the courage to talk to somebody about God. One of the cool things that's happened these past couple weeks was I asked for courage to talk to somebody about God. And out of the blue, this guy was at this gas station, and I was filling up my car, and he just randomly came up to me, and he's like, hey, what church you go to? And I'm like, what? I'm filling up my tank, and it caught me completely off guard. And he's like, oh, well, I, I see that you have a, you know, a church shirt on. And I looked out, and sure enough, I got my green GFCC shirt, and I said, oh, well, I go to Griffith First Christian. And he's like, oh, really? Can you tell me about it? And I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I say? <laughs> well, it's this church that we go to on Sundays, and we do church stuff, like sing and listen to a sermon. And he's like, oh, that's cool. I go to Suncrest. And I'm like, oh, good. Phew, at least I don't have to, like, argue. Okay. So we got into this conversation about what it means to be a Christian and what he does. He actually goes off to Indianapolis every weekend and rebuilds homes with him and his family. And I was thinking, wow, that is so cool. But I, ne- I do not believe that I would have had that encounter had I not prayed to God, God, give me the chance to just talk to somebody about you. And sure enough, that week at a gas station, somebody talked to me about God. I want to say that unlike Stephen, who's offered to fight for his beliefs in church, if you don't agree with something that I'm saying up here, talk to Sean after church. Because I will have no backup, okay? I will have nothing. I'm going to be, like I said, I'm going to be straightforward with you. You know me, or at least most of you do. I grew up in this church. A photo of me as a preschooler is still up there next to the preschool door. I got my own little suit and tie on. I looked horrendous. I didn't go to school to become a missionary. I didn't go to Bible college or seminary. I don't read commentaries every day and spend hours on end writing sermons. I'm only speaking from the heart and about what I feel. And I feel that we as a church body, as well as each and every one of us individually, needs to realize that there is such a larger picture out there than just us. We are not everything, and we surely do not have it all together. But I believe that we need to step back and take a long, hard look as to where we are at spiritually and ask God to help us grow in our faith, help us become stronger, better, more sold-out followers of Jesus Christ. We need to ask God to help us become fully surrendered to his vision. And when we put down the worries of today, when we put down the worries of life, of stuff, of our future, and we simply look to Jesus and what he wants us to do, God's plan will prevail. God has a plan for this church and is going to be huge. And I want to be a part of it. And I hope that you as a church member of GFCC, want to be a part of this vision as well. So lay down your worries and do not worry about the things of this life, but instead pray to God for comfort, healing, and direction. 
We offer an invitation every Sunday. And as the praise team comes back up on the stage, I want to ask you all a simple question. What do you worry about? Now, I want you to pray with me now with your worry in mind. Dear God, please listen to our prayers. Listen to what we are struggling with today, whether it's physical, emotional, financial, or spiritual. Let us lay down our worries today. Let us come to you now and give those worries up. God, I give you my worries, for you are in control. You do all things right, and through you, all things are possible. Lord, we love you. Show us your love today, and give us the strength and courage to make a difference in your kingdom. Lord, if there is someone out here who needs you now, comfort them, be with them, and in all things, let us share your love with others.